Welcome to Inside Independent Publishing. I'm your host, Christopher Locke. I'm also the IBPA Director of Membership and Member Services. Okay, so back in 2021, we did episode 63, and it was called Tips for How Independent Publishers Can Land Traditional Distribution. Now, that had a lot of helpful information. I highly recommend checking it out. Um, so what we want to do today, though, is we want to dig a little deeper. Uh, we want to get more of an understanding about the work that goes beyond the scenes at a distributor, how about the team works to garner exposure for publishers' books, and hopefully increase book sales. So to give us this insight, we're chatting with National Accounts Manager in Sales at Publishers Group West and Ingram Publisher Services, David Dahl. Hello. How are you, David? Thanks so much, Christopher. I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah, you know, you're also joining the IBPA Board of Directors, so I just want to say thank you for that. I know, um, you know, we ask a bit of your time when you do that, and um, your expertise is going to be very helpful for uh, the IBPA members, so thank you. It's really exciting and a privilege to be part of the board, and I really appreciate your work at the IPPA staff. Oh, wow. All right. I'll take it. Okay, so uh, one thing I want to make clear is um, when it, we're talking today about distribution, we're going to be talking about traditional distribution. So they, they have a team of people that sells books to bookstores and all that. Uh, there's also wholesale distribution, such as getting your book on something like Ingram Spark, where it's available to the markets, but there's no team of people that's selling your books. Uh, so I want to clarify that. Um, okay. So David, um, we're going to go into detail about uh, your job, um, but I wanted to ask just in general, there are a lot of publishers out there who want to land traditional distribution. So from your standpoint, like, um, can you explain like what, what's the benefit of having traditional distribution, having someone like you and your team uh, get out there and help sell these publishers' books? Uh, so Christopher, as you were noting, retailer sells to consumers, wholesalers, sell to retailers and libraries and other markets. And a distributor works for the publisher, a team of, of sales staff uh, uh, getting wholesalers and retailers and libraries to purchase your books. They also, they the distributor tends to be the sole source of your book, your product for all markets. And the distributor does billing, shipping. They collect the money, accounts receivable, very important to have a good AR department. Uh, they usually will have be a significant digital asset management program, reporting tools. So working with a distributor, once you've you're you've got going at Kindle Direct and you're up on Ingram Spark, going for a traditional distributor would be your next step to get your books into independent bookstores across the country, into libraries, airports, uh, mass merchandisers, uh, outdoor retailers. So when you're looking for that next step, you'll be looking for traditional distribution. Awesome. Okay, so I want to start out with Amazon. There are a lot of places that publishers want to get their books, you know, exposure. Um, Amazon still like has like the fair share of the market on selling books. So you uh, actually work directly with people at Amazon uh, to help get publishers' books noticed. Um, and by the way, I didn't even know, you know, real people talk there. The fact that you can get to someone there, because my understanding is they have a mode of alligators, the alligators throw mines at you. I mean, it, you, it's impressive that you can get in there. Um, so I want to talk to you about what is it that you, as part of your job, when you're working with these Amazon publishers, what are you doing on behalf of the publishers um, for their books at Amazon? So, yes. Uh the distributor can get you uh, more direct access to Amazon 
through fees that we all pay. Uh-huh. So we pay Amazon to get to speak to them. We have weekly meetings, both we, Ingram and PGW, weekly meetings with Amazon staff, both on the inventory side and on the vendor management side, uh, which is the advertise, uh, you know, all, everything except inventory, really. Uh, and a, a fun thing we get to do is present to Amazon editorial. So if you check out the Amazon, go to the store, the Amazon editor, book review editors, uh, I present books, uh, our frontless books to them every month, about two months out. In the olden days, before the great sequestering, we would go in person to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And it, it was significant to say to our clients, yes, I was in Seattle meeting with Amazon last week, pitching your books to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we haven't been, it's been all Zoom since the, since 2020, but I hope to get to go back there again. And again, calling on them is uh, part of a fee arrangement between Amazon and the distributor. I also love going to Seattle. My close friend, Harry Kirshner and Ann, uh, they used to have a boat in Shilshoal Marina, and now they're up in Edmonds. And I would get to go sailing every time I went up to Seattle. So it's been sad not getting to go, and I look forward to going again. Seattle's a really wonderful city. So one day, one day. (laughs) So I wanted to ask then, you're talking to them. Do they come to you? Do they say, hey, we're looking, okay, right now, vegan cookbooks are really hot. Do you have any vegan cookbooks? Do they have things like that that they come to you for? Or do you go to them and you just go, okay, I've got these particular books. These are great for this reason. Like who's selling to whom, I guess? Both those things happen. It's We're pitching every month. So I just pitched my September books uh, to the Amazon editorial team. And so that's very close to publication. Most accounts, a mass merchandiser, they might be pitching their books for sale almost a year ahead, and Barnes & Noble might be nine months ahead. So we work very close to publication, pitching these books to Amazon. Um, And yeah, they often are, there are seasonal things. They might be looking for Halloween titles, Easter titles. Uh, But yes, I pitch, and we have PGW, we distribute more than 100 clients, every kind of thing under the sun. So I would, to the editorial team, You'd have to look and see what they feature. Uh, you know, they don't necessarily feature business books. So the editorial reviews are somewhat category driven, but they're very broad. Um, but I'm really pitching every kind of book to them that's being published in September. And of course, I have to really focus it. We only have a little bit of time. I might pitch 20 books of my several hundred that we're pub- distributing in September. I see. Okay, interesting. And in terms of requirements, it sounds like you're saying, well, they want new books that are publishing in September. So is there no, for at least for them, is there no like backlist talk where they're like, we want books that are about Halloween and you could pitch a book that's really great, but it's not being published in October? So both Amazon's business and PGW's business is really driven by backlist, man. Backlist of what makes it all go. We're the distributor of Power of Now, for example, and uh, Joseph Campbell and uh, Braiding Sweetgrass. So those are backlist books that sell and sell and sell. And those constitute our top 25 at Amazon traditionally every week. But the store is about new books, right? We want new new and fresh things. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their, they're always pitching, pitching stuff that's new. So yes, there's a lot of focus on the front list on purpose. And in fact, the tools and the algorithms at Amazon will often bring you to the most recently published product. 
I see. Interesting. And um, so, and then for the things you're saying, like the backlist tends to like bring in the most money, but the whole point is for those readers already know about them. And so they're just buying them for, you know, things like, like their school, like for some project, they have to read 1984 or something. Um, and so they just are buying that and you all don't need to go out of your way to do extra selling of those older titles, I guess. I think that's right. Okay. Um, so you and I had talked about certain things such as like the Amazon blog. Um, but then also you mentioned, um, before about opt-in emails. Um, can you tell us like, so what is, what are, what are those? What's an opt-in email? Uh, so publishers who have a Kindle direct relationship can use Amazon advertising, which is Amazon is keyword search driven advertising which long ago that was part of the merchandising that the distributor has access to, the keyword search component of it. So keyword search driven merchandising makes a lot of, it's easy to explain and it's easy to monetize. So Amazon broke off that and created Amazon advertising. So beyond Amazon advertising specifically, as a distributor, we do some merchandising with Amazon called ASAP advertising, ASAP merch. Don't ask me what it means. It's not as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and that includes on-site placements, like a little jacket image. And it includes, uh, I, I, I think they're called carousels or sliders, like you mm -hmm. see at the store. Mm -hmm. And uh, they won't, and it'll include uh, email blasts that are dynamic email blasts, dynamic in the sense that their base changes as, as the audience reacts to it. Um, so the opt-in emails are, Amazon customers can say, yes, I want to receive emails about new literature, that kind of thing. I think that's what I was referring to. Okay. And then um, you're, uh, again, for things like that, you have certain books and then they might say, we're going to do an, an e-blast, one of these emails that's about, um, you know, like whatever, Thanksgiving books. And then you might be like, okay, we have two books about Thanksgiving that are coming out. And um, we really, we think that they would be excellent for that uh, e-blast, something like that. So that occurs, but it's actually much more than that. I'm for this kind of merchandising, I'm submitting deep into my title base every month. Huh. So I might be submitting 40 titles or 50 titles that are publishing in September across all categories to receive this basic uh, category placement. Um, and then we also do more expensive and grand placements within this ASAP world of merchandising. Uh, there are marquee placements, which are just like it sounds. And uh, the, our biggest books, I would I would do a bigger promotion for those. And this is all part of our fees, this kind of merchandising. The Amazon advertising is separate and run by the publisher of a credit card. The merchandising I'm talking about is part of our distribution relationship fees. So then- both yeah. the ASAP merch, or pardon me, Christopher, both the editorial outreach yeah. And the ASAP merch is part of our relationship as a distributor to Amazon. Yeah, because that's what I wanted to ask about. So, um, you know, if you're, you're, the publishers are, like, you, you do their traditional distribution. And so you then what? You cover some of those costs. Um, but with the Amazon advertising, the, uh, the publisher is covering the cost of those ads. Those ads. I'm just trying to figure out who's. Yes, absolutely. They're completely separate. Okay. Interesting. Um, and that's part of what initially when you had the contract and we met with them, 
I guess you all go through all the details of here's what we're going to do. And then here's what you're going to be expected to do in terms of like costs and stuff. Sure. If you, yes. Although I think it's much, uh, yes. Or, or I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, you know, what's interesting. Well, that's a big question. That's a grand question. I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, so I, what I do find very interesting is that, it sounds like, you know, one of the reasons for traditional distribution is because of this type of access that if you just put your book on uh, whatever Kindle KDP, like you don't get this, like you all have those personal relationships. And I'm sure you know, those reps, they know you, you've probably been working with them for years. And so that's one of the real benefits is that personal connection. Uh, yes, absolutely. A direct but not necessarily personal connection as Amazon changes its staff that it works. Our vendor manager uh-huh. is changed almost an- is annually. Uh-huh. One thing Amazon trains staff in books, but then they also kind of don't want us to have good personal connections. <laughs> with, uh-huh. And so we have new Amazon staff to work with all the, uh, certainly annually on both of these, the three or four positions we work with. Uh-huh. I should note that, Lots of the staff we work with love working at Amazon, our book people. So, I mean, I think some of the, the bad parts of working at Amazon is more work uh, warehouse specific. Uh, Amazon's just kind of a typical corporate environment, I think. Okay. Interesting. So I want to ask then, we've talked about Amazon and we've mentioned Kindle. So are these two separate entities? Are these two different groups? Are you pitching the same books to what it is, quote unquote, like Amazon, you know, vendor or whatever you said, and they're also doing it for Kindle? Uh, yes, Amazon is format agnostic. It's kind of Kindle prioritized. Oh. Uh, so yes, the stuff I'm pitching, I'm pitching to Kindle. Uh, we distribute most of our clients' eBooks and most of our clients to Kindle. Uh, some, not always, so we don't have we don't necessarily distribute all our clients to Kindle. Mm-hmm. Um, the clients that we do distribute to Kindle, which is most of them, they're definitely all that stuff is pitched t- together. The editors are working both print and Kindle. There is separate merchandising, the Kindle daily deals and monthly deals. I also administer that for my clients. So that is separate. It's also almost this exact same schedule. We're just doing September now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there are, there are separate merchandising opportunities for Kindle, but in terms of presenting to the editors and this ASAP merch, that is format agnostic. Interesting. Okay. And just to point out for people who are listening to this podcast, it's currently July. So in July, you're, you're now doing September when you're working with it. Okay, cool. Interesting. And that's okay. much, much closer to publication really than any, any other part of the market. Right. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, that's a great segue. So um, I do want to also ask you work with Apple Books. So I'm interested to see what the process is. Is it everything kind of the same as what you just said here? Or, or what does Apple Books have that you're now working with them to pitch these publishers books? So I don't know if you can hear my train. No, uh, no, you're all good. I do not oh, hear very good. any. I, I can be overwhelmed by it. I'm right by the tracks, which I like actually. Reminds me of Johnny Cash song, Folsom Prison. Uh, Apple is very different. They have a different pricing structure, agency pricing. Uh, the store is really based on iTunes. There isn't really customer reviews. 
There is no paid merchandising at Apple that we participate in anyway. So almost on the same schedule, though, I do pitch books for best of the month. And PGW has a fantastic relationship with Apple. So our books are featured. They're looking for fine fiction and nonfiction. It's very curated. Uh, and so I pitch just a few books. So uh, in order for me to pitch books to Apple for the best of the month, the books have to be live at the Apple store prior to publication. So that demands the publisher finalize their EPUB files and implement agency pricing on our systems. And that'll get your book for sale prior to publication at Apple. And then I can, I pitch our big commercial books to them a handful every month, but we have some wonderful publishers group West has some wonderful client publishers like Grove Atlantic and Europa editions that are perfect fair for Apple classy, what they, how they want to present themselves. So very different scene at Apple than Kindle and Amazon. I see. So there's, it's interesting because there's then uh, like a personality to the types of products that they're, because I mean, I, I, like my books are on Apple, but but like, it sounds like the ones that they want to highlight have a certain like, you know, like criteria that they're looking for. So you said that that is um, what, like you said, quote unquote classy. So uh, can you, what are the types of books that they're, they normally kind of like, that you, you know, I'm going to pitch this to them. I would think yours books, Christopher would make that cut. Yay. I did Classy it. and commercial. commercial. I think you, I mean, you should always, and I'm not quite ready to go to this part yet, but go to the Apple store, check it out, mm-hmm. see what they're up to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so then uh, before we move on, is there anything else about like Apple books behind the scenes that, um, it sounds like their best of month is their thing. So they don't seem to have as many kind of options of things that like Amazon seems to have, um, like a blog or like all these other types of things that you all are working with them on um, that you're pitching. It's more than best of the month. It might be mysteries or there may be category things and there may be down pricing mm-hmm. of mysteries for two bucks. But yes, much, much larger merchandising and advertising platform at Amazon than Apple and Amazon is charging us and our clients a significant amount to participate in those things. Mm. Uh, and Apple isn't charging us anything for, for that aspect of it. Oh, interesting. Okay. So uh, it isn't paid for placement at Apple. It really is curated. Interesting. Okay. But okay. Apple is much smaller scale yeah. and billing than Kindle and Amazon. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know that from all these stats I've heard, it's like, doesn't Amazon have like, it's like 80% of the market or maybe more. It's just like, they just have like a f- huge share of like, in terms of book sales, like they're still the behemoth that, or the majority happens online. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know what that eight, I think of all print sales, Amazon's probably only like a quarter of that. Ah. Just all print sales, 25%. And it would be higher for a distributor. Uh, more like a third, maybe. Um, but yes, Amazon is the big player for sure. And the Kindle is a much bigger player. Kindle is probably 60% of that market. Yeah, well, that's interesting because there's so many e-readers now. But it seems like people still locked into the whole Kindle thing and they still like Kindles. Because um, like I have an iPad and that's how I read my e-books. I don't have a Kindle, um, but it seems like they still have a, a pretty... Are you using the Kindle app on your iPad? 
Well, so when I download Kindle, technically when I go to Amazon and download their books, yes. But I mean, like there are other places I get my eBooks, you know, and then I'm not like, I'm just using, I don't, I don't even know. It's like the Apple, whatever e-reader or something. Um, right. Yeah. That is, so that would be the Apple iBook store basically. And that, yeah, that is okay. who I'm pitching to. Uh, like you and many of us, yeah. I read on this thing right here Your phone. and I use Kindle. Actually, I have the Kindle app loaded onto my phone, my Apple iPhone. And because I have all my books on there already, it's one click ordering. It's a larger store than the Apple store. And I'm used to work. We're used to the Amazon and Kindle platform. Uh, and so that is a source of frustration for Apple that everyone is reading from the Kindle app on their Apple device. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I bet, I bet if they could, they would find a way to remove it or something. But that's probably well, savvy of Amazon to make Kindles an app that's available on all yeah. devices. Yeah. Okay. But okay. also, yeah, the e-reader is a fascinating phenomenon as a dedicated thing. Yeah. I mean, you could might say it was, a, I don't have an e-reader and I don't want a dedicated e-reading device. But I think they sold 50 million of those things. So I think you could hardly say it's a, uh, it wasn't a failure. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I want to ask about bookstores then, because that is a whole other process. So um, do you, let's talk about um, in terms of now we've talked about Apple books and then Amazon and Kindle. So how is the process different or maybe similar when you're doing all this pitching um, to bookstores? Like then I'm talking about physical bookstores. So we meet with our clients. Here's my train again. Uh seasonally two or three times a year meet with almost all with you know our many active clients oh. and pardon my train You're okay. uh, and that is more like six or nine months out a lot of our focus is on the independent bookstore and the independent market and we have a fabulous in-house field rep force of 10 or 12 staff and they work from home all over the country and they're an incredible part of the publishers group West organization. Um, so we all meet and, uh, you know, we have dedicated staff to each market, Baker and Taylor. Uh, we uh, organize, even though we're owned by Ingram, we place, get the right numbers of books into the Ingram wholesale warehouses. Uh, so all the sales force is meeting together with all the clients throughout the year on a regular way, each on their own selling schedule. And we're about to have winter sales conference uh, with our field sales. And so that'll be books that are published between that's next week. And that's books that are published in December, January, February. Okay. And when you all are meeting with them, I know bookstores are talk about curation. I mean, like there's certain bookstores that are literally, it's like, you know, a, like mystery books or like, like just very specific types of books. But then there's other things like Barnes and Noble that just tries to have everything. And so I imagine your staff then is doing that same thing where you're talking about, like you're going to your list. And when they go to these reps, they're ready with, okay, this is what I think this particular bookstore is going to be interested in. Right. Is um, there, you all are kind of doing that work on your end. Absolutely. Or as they say on the radio, hundred percent. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I lost my chain of thought. Go ahead. Yeah, no, well, yeah. So I'm interested then, do they also, how is that relationship where they also then maybe 
because you all you you probably have these relationships where you you know in advance what they're going to be looking for. But same thing, do they then come to you also and say, you know, what's the whatever most likely bestseller or what's your new hottest book on this particular topic or like you know what's that relationship like of what they're looking for versus what you're trying to pitch to them? So two things to note here, and we haven't really talked about metadata yet, which is good. Huh. The one thing we love and insist upon in our metadata is author residence. The field reps love to know if the author is going to be in their store. They, they want to know both the author residence, if it's in the United States, uh, and what their favorite local bookstore is. I won't put you on the, on the spot, Christopher. My favorite local bookstore is Mrs. Dalloway's on the Berkeley-Oakland border. Uh, so the field reps totally, all these reps, really know their accounts. The other thing to mention, and we were talking about this when we were preparing, Christopher, is Edelweiss. Uh, the field reps use Edelweiss to present their titles, and they actually, many accounts can order through Edelweiss. The Amazon editors use Edelweiss not to take orders, but I make a monthly Edelweiss catalog to reach out to the Amazon editors. So Edelweiss is a powerful tool, especially for kids' books, because you can have the, and in fact, it's been, we were chatting about this, it's been inspirational for me using Edelweiss selling children's illustrated books, because you can see the whole book, and librarians basically insist on reading the whole book. Mm -hmm. And so Edelweiss has been a great development uh, for uh, selling books to a wide variety of accounts. And just so people who are listening know, IBPA members get a discount on Edelweiss. So it's uh, it's helpful. You know, it's it's a really amazing tool, but it is kind of on the pricier side. I mean, they they do. It's a powerful tool, like you said. So um, it's, uh, you know, but you can go to our website and learn more about it. Um, so um, I wanted to ask then um, in terms of then, uh, you said they meet multiple times a year. Um, they bring these certain lists that they're trying to pitch to them. Um, uh, why don't we, you, you mentioned metadata. Why don't we talk about metadata? Because um, I know something that's really important that I want to set up is publishers listening. I want them to be able to know how to set you up to do your jobs the best possible way to sell their books. So in terms of metadata, such as um, the description of the book and all that, like what, what can they be doing to make sure that you are set up to, to sell their books the best? So no matter what platform, if you're using a distributor or you're a, a Kindle Direct publisher or an Amazon Advantage uh, relationship, you're going to be responsible for metadata. Um, at Ingram and Publishers Group West, we have core source, which is really the 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 digital asset management platform of record for the publishing industry. Really, many are non-distributed big publishers use core source. Uh, so you use that digital asset management platform to provide all this information that goes to all accounts, Amazon and every other account, and it's a lot of very ticky tack work doing it correctly, entering all this information into whatever digital asset management tool that you, either your current platform or your distributor demands of you. I'm not sure if that's an answer. It steps towards an answer, Christopher. Yeah, well, so I wanted to ask then, like they give you their metadata, they fill it out. As a distributor, are you looking at, let's say their description of their book and are you saying you're not using enough keywords? 
Um, you, this description is not, um, it's, it's the plot, but it's not, I don't know, exciting enough or thrilling. Like, like how much feedback as a distributor do you go, Hey, look, I'm talking to these people directly and I'm telling you, I think you need to fix blah, blah, blah. Like how much feedback do you give them? We at PGW give a vast amount of feedback more than the clients want. (laughs) That's not true. So, and that takes place in these seasonal meetings. So we absolutely look at the product description, the key, the keywords, uh, the bold, the the bullet points, uh, the author residence, as I mentioned, Um, we definitely are reviewing the metadata that either goes out to the, on the Amazon detail page or goes to the other bookstores. We do that work very closely and we have a huge staff working on these things. Okay, interesting. And I guess what's nice about that is that um, you all know about things like SEO and you know about, um, you know, keywords and that. So you're, you're great to give feedback because then they're like, oh, I didn't realize we should be using this word, you know, for this type of book when people are searching for it. Like, I mean, I imagine you're giving that type of feedback and that's really helpful. No, I think that that is, is right, Christopher. And that's a key point about having a distributor you've got all the staff with expertise in all parts of the marketplace. So you, a distributor is a great resource of information, both from printers to publicists to this kind of metadata we're talking about. So working with a distributor will provide you with a big expert staff to bounce ideas off and to help you. So we just talked about then how they can set you up for success. I do want to ask, are there common mistakes you see that publishers make when they're trying to like work with you and your team or, you know, there are things that they, they do where you're like, gosh, this is actually harming the success of this book. Um, any tips on stuff like that? Uh, definitely for frontless books, as your books slip, providing your, your distributor or Amazon, the correct release, new release date of your incoming book is very important. So books are physical objects. They have to move through space and time. Amazon likes to receive books, call it 10 days or 12 days before the pub date, the release date on the detail page. And so if you're, and that's the information we're providing them, that pub date, and they, to get there, to put them away, to start them getting going so that they can get them to their customers the next week, uh, they, they have very strict rules about when they need to receive product and they will charge us back if we fail to uh, provide that information accurately. Mm-hmm. So slippage of front list and keeping ev- your distributor and Amazon abreast of the real time your book is being published, uh, that's a really key thing and a thing that we work on all the time. And then who, like, so you're the distributor. So what, the publisher gets you the files and then you all are in charge of printing of those books or? Well, they're, we work close. They are responsible for their own. They work with the printers, but we also work with directly with the printers on taking those books from the printer. So we have very, they, the publisher is responsible for the printing, but we're also working very closely with the printer and the publisher for getting us these books. And sometimes we do things like drop ship books, which means rather than bringing books into Tennessee, we'll send them over directly to the Baker and Taylor warehouses. I see. Cause something I was thinking about is just, you know, like if there's, if the book's ready, but there's something that goes wrong with the printing of the book, I mean, you all get them and you go, Hey, the cover's really dark, you know, or something like, um, I mean, I imagine there must be some kind of like stressful moments where you, you have to adjust things because you want to meet that deadline. But now you've got, I don't know, 
200 books or something that are printed poorly or something. Sure, 10,000 books that are printed poorly. Uh -huh. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, the supply chain issues that we always talk about, hugely significant for publishers because they've got publicity lined up. Oh, I'm, my author's going to be on the third hour of the Today Show and our, my book is somewhere in the Santa Monica Bay. It's safe, yeah. but it's on a container in the Santa Monica Bay. So, yeah, those things are really important and uh, actually are both here. I have a prop. And what we're really proud of right now, The Covenant of Water by Abraham Varghese. Oh, Huge best-selling book right now. It was wow. Oprah's Book Club. Oh, so we exactly. had to sticker it with Oprah's Book Club stickers and not let anyone know. And so we released tens of thousands of copies and like no, we had to make sure they no blogger heard about this information before the release of the book. So yeah, we're, we're struggling with these things, uh, release dates, uh, issues with printing and publicity all the time okay. on a client by client and title by title basis. So um, before we go, I do want to ask in terms of um, publishers thinking of trying to land distribution, um, what are the types of books? I don't know if you personally, but maybe PGW, what are you all like looking for that you want to represent that they go that, you know, you can say, okay, when you fill out your application, you know, these books are more likely because we're like, we're really looking for these right now. So Christopher, I'm glad you got to this question um, because it certainly isn't a category uh, to prepare for this podcast. I rewatched Andrea, our CEO's January podcast, mm -hmm. which I highly recommend to viewers. Mm -hmm. It's both inspirational, it has a lot of it's inspirational and it has real to do things to do. Mm -hmm. And Andrea talks about owning your market, you need to own your market. Mm -hmm. uh, we're looking for clients and distributors are looking for clients who know what they're doing. Uh, you need to know what kinds of stores your book is sold at. You need to know the price and the format of other books like yours. You need to know what sort of publicity is driving uh, fans to buy books like yours. I still hear from authors and publishers, oh, there's no other book like this. Well, Christopher, that's never true. <laughs> books exist in a network and people in a network of relations, and it's a wonderful thing. So you need to consider your audience. There's going to be some audience for your book, and you need to know about it. You need to know, own your market, as Andrea says. Go to your local independent, talk to staff, buy books there, and have a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I agree. I know we hear this a lot, but people, you know, in terms of categories, like or genre or something, and they go, this is, it's a whole new genre. Like this just is, the, you know, and you're like, is it Mr. Thriller? It's, I mean, it's, I can't tell you. And you're like, I'm telling you, when we put it in a bookstore, we need to put it on the bookshelf somewhere. And it's because readers are looking, they, they want a type of book. They want to know, okay, I want, I just am in the mood for a romance, you know? And so if, if you try to fight these categories, you're just hurting the, the readers out there who are looking for your type of book. Um, so yeah. Um, and it sounds like you all really, you want to work with publishers who, um, you feel like there's, they've done their homework and that there's going to be like a long-term relationship. Um, and that they are, they kind of, they, like you said, they know their market. Um, they're not coming to you and going, Hey, I don't really know how to sell my book. So can you do that for me? That's not what traditional distribution is. 
No, that's totally right. Yeah, that's more like a publicist that yeah. you go, you're, you know, like that's who you go to and you're like, I don't know how to sell my book. And they go, that's my job. Um, no, I think it's a good insight. And the books we love are these books that blur genres, but they still have to go somewhere and people buy other books like them. And so the publisher really, no matter what stage they are, needs to be all over that. So before we end, um, Publishers Group West, uh, if someone wants to apply, a publisher wants to apply, like what, what's that process like? Where do they go? What's all that stuff? Uh, just go to pgw.com and they're listed. There's a, there's a, you know, there's a way to communicate with us about new clients uh, or uh, beginning distribution. Christopher, I would say that all the distributors want new clients mm -hmm. if it's a good fit for both parties. Mm -hmm. So I would do that for any, just check it, go online, write them up, write them a note, see what kind of reaction you get. And that'll point you in the right direction. But yes, pgw.com. I'll say the name Kevin Votel is our VP in charge of bringing in new clients. We're bringing in new clients all the time. Okay, good. Yeah. And then also, um, you know, you all are um, with Ingram, you're under the umbrella of Ingram Publisher Services. So IngramContent.com, they have amazing, they have like Ingram Spark, which of course we didn't even talk about. That's something different. Um, they have Lightning Source. I mean, so, um, I mean, you all are, uh, talk about behemoths. I mean, you all are like the distributors of the world. Like you're the, you're the place, the place that everybody should know about. Well, and shout out to Ingram Spark, which if isn't your first step at Kindle Direct should be your next step as a mm -hmm. self-publisher or a small publisher, because Ingram Spark can get your book for sale at Ingram Wholesale and up on iPage. So then it's available to sale to all retailers and regional wholesalers and libraries and other markets. So Ingram Spark is a really key resource for our independent publishers. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so IBPA also has a member benefit with Ingram Spark and uh, before something like that existed, it was like near to impossible to get books easily into all of these different markets. So to have that avenue, um, you know, to have a place that if a bookstore is interested in your book and they can buy it wholesale, I mean, it's, it's, it's so vital. So yeah, it's a really important resource that um, people should be taking advantage of. Absolutely. Um, so uh, uh, that's our podcast. Um, David, this was so interesting. I just love learning about, you know, your, what you do behind the scenes. I know publishers, sometimes these things, um, they, they don't get a chance to talk to you directly. And so they don't necessarily know what happens. Um, but, you know, I know that you're an advocate for them. You are out there, you want to sell their books. I mean, literally you all don't make money if you don't sell their books. So there's, you know, that vested interest, but I also know you're a big book lover. And so you're doing it because you care, you, you genuinely want to uh, get these books into the market. So, um, you know, thanks for being out there and, and, you know, helping indie publishers get into the market. Thank you so much, Christopher. And thanks for the very good interview. You really made it easy and good. Oh, great. Fantastic. Um, okay. So if you also want to learn about IBPA, you can visit ibpa-online.org. Uh, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And it drops new episodes the last Thursday of every month. Uh, we greatly appreciate you listening, everyone. And again, David, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you uh, at the board meetings and all that. And thanks again for all that you do for indie publishers. Thank you. And you.